You're listening to the EVs for Everyone podcast. My name is Elena Ciccatelli, an award-winning automotive executive, and I'm so excited to introduce you to some of the most dynamic thought leaders the EV economy has to offer. Listen in on honest conversations I have with the leading electric vehicle experts and uncover critical insights that will help you jump ahead and stay there. The electrification race is officially on, and these conversations have never been more important. So whether you're an automotive executive or just an EV enthusiast, this is the podcast for you. Let's get started. John Robertson is here, and I'm so excited to see you and meet with you and to interview you. John, how are you this afternoon? I am great. I am great. How are you? Excellent. Well, catch up the listeners on what you are doing today and a little bit of your background in automotive. Sure. No, that's a long and sordid tale, as I'm sure you can imagine. I literally started well in college at an automotive manufacturer. So I have been engaged in the auto industry my entire career, either in one fashion or another. At one point, I was fortunate enough to travel the world in the auto industry as an ISO 9000 auditor. Not everyone may be familiar with that term in this industry, but it's the quality assurance role within automotive manufacturing. So I spent a lot of time in automotive manufacturing, and uh, eventually at some point, my career pivoted into sales and call centers and uh, eventually into transport, where I've spent almost the last 15 years in the transportation of basically finished car logistics, secondary move market, as well as primary move market with asset-based carriers, as well as uh, currently with Ship Your Car Now, broker-based carrier, and uh, actually have watched the advent of EVs as from the, the days we first moved the very first Tesla and accidentally left it sitting outside Gen 1 in a cold minus 20 degree Detroit parking lot and killed several batteries that had to be replaced. All the way to today, where, as I mentioned to you, Elena, we just recently sent a sales crowd on an all-EV dealer tour, which was kind of fun, too. Yeah, I love that. Real-world stories of EVs in the wild. But first, let's talk about, as you had mentioned about that Tesla battery getting killed in those sub-zero temperatures, there are differences that need to be considered when you are transporting an EV. If you can break it down for us, John, what are some of those differences and what's really important for folks to know? Sure. I I think the biggest thing, you know, when you're transporting an EV, probably the number one thing to recognize is that there isn't really a huge difference. There's a little bit of a phobia in the industry today amongst carriers where they're concerned. And, you know, I literally, I don't know if I told you the story, Elena, it's a funny one, but I literally had a customer who was purchasing a class eight EV which is, you know, the latest and greatest, right? As a requirement, they told us that to transport this EV, which is going to go on a very large truck, of course, because it itself is a large truck, still not get into the details. They let us know that that vehicle that was going to do the transport needed to have a charging unit on it. Now, I have always been one of those people that, you know, I think I know everything, but when somebody tells me something, I question myself and say, do I really know everything or do I not know everything? So I literally reached out to the manufacturer of the Class 8 vehicle and said, guys, the customer who bought this vehicle from you says I need to have a charging unit on my transport unit. And they basically said, no, you don't. <laughs> like, actually, no. Yeah, no, no, that's it. And they kind of got a chuckle out of it. 
And and the reality is that, you know, a lot of the drivers, a lot of the transporters, even the customers that have bought these things get worried about, oh, I've got to transport it. Number one, it's going to weigh so much more. Well, it weighs a little bit more. It, it does. I mean, that's the reality is depending on the vehicle, it can weigh 10 to 20 percent more than a standard vehicle. Over, a, you know, a large car hauler can haul 80,000 pounds total weight and the truck itself weighs 40, that makes 40 worth of cars they can carry. So do the math. And maybe I'm carrying seven EVs instead of, you know, eight combustion engine vehicles, right? So there's there's a little difference there, which drives a little bit of cost. But the reality is you don't need a charger. The reality is they don't need to be fully charged. I've run into that too, where the driver will call our dispatch department, our carrier coordinators, and they'll say, well, I can't pick up this EV. And we're like, well, why can't you pick up the EV in there? Well, they have to be fully charged in order for me to load them. Otherwise, it's not going to last three days between Nevada and Ohio. We're like, no, no, it'll last about three months on 40% charge. So you're good. Don't worry, you know, and all that education piece. So I wouldn't say there's as big a difference in transporting them as there is a bigger difference in the education of people that are transporting them to understand. And then Last but not least, the only part that's a little funky about them is because they are all electronic controls. You do have a 12-volt battery. You do have the regular battery. And if the 12-volt battery does die and you lose some of those controls, they may be harder to get into neutral in order to steer and unlock the steering column and things like that, which can make them a little more difficult to load than a regular unit that you might be able to put into neutral without the battery. So there's minor little issues there. But uh, other than that, pretty much the same. Like you said, the big E word, which is education and mm -hmm. getting this education out to the masses, I think, is another way for folks to feel more comfortable doing more things with EVs. So I can't wait any longer. I need to know the story. <laughs> I need to know in full detail the story of where you sent some of your folks on an EV road trip. How did it go? It went well. It went well. Now, this was not a minor road trip, okay? They left from Boca Raton, where our headquarters are, headed up through Tampa, all the way around to Dallas, all the way to the east out to South Carolina, and then all the way back through Charlotte and all the way back down to Boca. So they were gone about four days. It was all in a, uh, in a nice Tesla. They enjoyed the ride very much. I quizzed them before they left. I said, listen, I said, there's a couple of things that I know from our sponsorship drive across America race and everything and, and watching all those specials, which you were, you know, that was just a huge event. I said, so when you get charge anxiety, I said, I want you to call me. You know, I said, when you get to that, because I want to hear it in your voice. I want to hear the uh, urgency of, you know, where it says we've got 27 miles to go and the nearest charging station is 33. So, you know, we rolled the windows down and turned the air conditioner off in order to save electricity. I'm like, I'm like, guys, 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 doesn't work that way. You know, but it's so funny and it was so real to hear it in their voice. And of course, the good news is it was a Tesla, you know, and Tesla has the largest network of charging stations still. So they were, they were never in that big anxiety where they're searching for a lot of the third parties that are still bringing their products online. And so in the Tesla environment, it was a little safer. We did do an interesting thing where we experimented with the, uh, the overall cost of driving the vehicle on the tour. It was, in fact, actually less expensive to charge the EV. It was nice. Our rental car company, I'm trying to avoid brand names, our rental car company, unfortunately, didn't do a great job of telling us that they were going to send us a bill for all the charging at the very end of the trip. And the meters all said zero when the guys charge. So they're merrily charging along thinking that there's no charge. And all of a sudden we get a big bill at the end of the trip. 
So that's a that's a learning point. They really should have let us know that there was going to be a big charge. Maybe it was somewhere in the fine print no one read. But we got the big charge at the end of it. And at first we were like, oh my gosh, you know, it's 400 and some dollar charge on top of the, you know, it's more than the rental car was and whatever. And then we did the mileage. Well, with the price of gas today, we actually did better with the EV than we would have if the guys had been filling the tank. So it was actually a good exercise there too. And then and then on top of that, all the goodwill that they got driving an EV into dealerships, right? Because even though the EVs are out there, even though most people have seen them and everything, it was always interesting for the guys to drive in and in a dealership and have some of the sales guys at the dealerships and such come out and check it out and how are you doing and how's the trip and you know all that good stuff. So a lot of fun, a lot of lessons. Like I said, my guys are a little hesitant to do it again. They're kind of like, uh, maybe next time we'll take a regular car. Cause I think that, you know, in their heads, that anxiety thing, uh, bit them a little bit, even though I warned them, but, uh, I think they'll, uh, we'll see, we'll see what happens next time. It's uh, it was a lot of fun. So going back to auto transport and dispelling myths, because you're really good at this, John. One of the things that I'm seeing from the auctions and from some of the manufacturers is that they're really needing to come out with, you know, the MRR system that rates vehicles and vehicle conditions and everything. And so there's a lot of talk nowadays about how they're going to rate the battery. So how does the battery get rated when that unit rolls down the line at, you know, 120,000 miles and it's two years old? Well, is it two years old that makes the battery bad? Is it 120,000 miles that makes the battery? How do we rate that battery so that when dealers are purchasing those vehicles on an auction, whether it's virtual or live, and then what kind of assurances are they going to get from the manufacturers? So I've also heard a little bit about that, that manufacturers are going to come out and uh, be able to, I hesitate to use the word warranty because I don't think it's really a warranty, but kind of a uh, stand behind the longevity of a battery that comes down the line. I think that's a big step in it. I think the other thing too is that the... Uh, Technology is changing so quickly on them. So, you know, from year over year over year, the both the reliability and the reliability, the features and the amount of uh, warranty work that needs to go on and the fixes and things. I at least remember uh, when they first came out and it seemed like electronic vehicles had a recall every three weeks as because it was new technology. You know, it's it's not a function of anyone doing anything inappropriately. It's just a matter of that's what happens when something new hits a market like that. As the vehicles get more recent model years, obviously a lot of that gets a lot better, just like it did with combustion engines and just like it did with all those things as that industry grew. Transporting from the auctions, yeah, that's a little bit of a concern. I think, you know, a lot of people don't still understand that there's a 12-volt battery in an electric vehicle that runs everything just like it does in a gas engine. So, you know, there is a little bit of ignorance around that. And, you know, oh, the battery's bad. Well, first question, which battery? You know, if it's the 12-volt battery, it's 130 bucks and you're up and running. If it's the big battery, it's, you know, what, $3,000, $4,000, $5,000 to fix that battery. So a lot of that. And then uh, last but not least, I think in the used car industry, one of the things that we're going to need to pay special attention to, and there are some big companies out there that might have three-letter acronyms for the name that start with A and end with V that have come up with a way to do this, and that is a lot more undercarriage inspections um, because the location of that battery is conducive to carrier damage. So a lot of times that undercarriage can be a little bit low. And if we hit the ramps incorrectly, you can actually damage the undercarriage, which is right where the battery is. So that gets uh, very important when you're looking at a used vehicle, especially if that vehicle has been transported a few times. Is there some damage that's done underneath there that could hurt the reliability of the vehicle? So undercarriage gets real important. Absolutely. See, this is why I love talking to you, John, because I always learn something new <laughs> whenever I talk to you. So no, that is really interesting. That's a great point. 
before I hit record on this episode, we were chatting a little bit before on all the conferences that we're going to be seeing each other at. So, John, you're going to be sick of me in March and April. <laughs> Never. <laughs> I'm sorry about your luck there. Um, <laughs> for just to keep the the listeners up to date, where are you going to be speaking in the next couple months, and uh, how can folks connect with you? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Thanks, Elena. And I'm looking forward to seeing you at these conferences. It's always good. So we we always have so much to talk about. So I'm sure we'll catch up. I will be at the car conference end of March. Um, we'll be doing a panel with Jay and his team from ATI Auto Transport Intel, which is a, a great uh, great show. And uh, we're going to be talking about transport and some of the some of the things that are going on in the industry there as usual. So that'll be fun. And uh, we will actually have a booth at the car conference as well. So anyone that wants to chat and stop by and talk about technology and talk about EVs, we will be happy to do that. Also, we will be at the uh, Auto Intel Summit out in April. That'll be fun. I'm going to get daring here. I'm going to draw back the curtains on transportation, not just for EVs, but for everything. And we're going to talk about the various components of the transportation industry and what's the difference between a TMS and a dispatcher and what's the difference between a broker and a shipper and a carrier and what's an owner operator and by the way which one of those people are holding the insurance that's going to fix this vehicle if it gets damaged you might want to know that before you book your transport so if you want to hear about what's going on behind the curtains that'll be our presentation at auto intel summit we're really looking forward to that I love it, John. I am really looking forward to your session at auto intel so I appreciate your time thank you thank you Elena always a pleasure talk to you soon Thank you so much for listening to the EVs for Everyone podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and subscribe to the show and leave a five-star review with a comment. We read every single comment, so thank you in advance. If you have an idea for an upcoming episode or you would like to be a guest on the show, go to evs4everyone.com slash contact. That's evs4everyone.com slash contact. Until next time... Keep charging forward.